And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM, uh, located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, uh, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And uh, we do stream live as online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Uh, coming up on the show today in the first hour in our second week into it here, uh, going back to the uh, May 7th and the journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series. And you'll hear readings by Alison Chisholm, Michael Castiles, Judith Popiel, uh, myself, uh, Ron Chase, Kinman, Gwen Whitford, Colleen Lyons, Quentin Kerr, Corey Mayhew, Sasha Hill, Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Ken Chin, and Kai Pierce. And uh, then in the second hour, continuing with that May 7th and the Journey Continues open mic reading, you'll hear the remaining readings that evening. Uh, Lyle Merriam, Chantel Lavoie, Tia Lunn, Jill Glatt, then again, we started over, uh, Allison Chisholm, Michael Castiles, and then again me. And then following that, a couple of poems from a recording by a Paris, France uh, poet, uh, Malik Amir, Amir uh, Crumpler. And uh, then following his poems, I'm going to share some work uh, from a few of the CDs of other poets' work I have and selecting some of the things I really like off those CDs. So... That'll fill the second hour. Uh, This first, though, just the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, music, or spoken spoken word played on the show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. I don't think maybe both hours. Yeah, I I have a fair amount of time, actually, uh, to share some upcoming events and... uh, We'll do that at the end of both hours today. Uh, there are, in about, oh, I don't know, three or four weeks, uh, things really kind of uh, slow down as far as lit events and that sort of thing here in the city, uh, especially after the next uh, oh, four weeks for sure. Uh, just a lot more sporadic, a few things, uh, but there are a lot of events actually coming up uh, this following weeks so i want to be sure and try to cover as much of that as i can and maybe even get into the week after that so should have some time in the show today i've kind of spaced things a little bit better uh so i guess we'll just jump into it having aired uh well i guess i should say after having begun to air readings from it last week uh, we're going to move back into now the May 7th event in the and the journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series. It was our 10th anniversary event, actually, not at the site. We're at the Yum Cafe now, but uh, 10th anniversary event uh, that night. So you're going to hear a bit of that kind of thing. Uh, I think uh, there's some even in uh, this first segment I'm going to play. I think I had some comments after the first two readings in the first round, and we do with everything in in the round now. So it's one poet, one poem, one poet, one poem. We go through the list. We start the list over again. So we were just finishing up the first round, and uh, so you're going to hear readings uh, or performances by Allison uh, Chisholm, 
and Michael Castile's. And then I think I had some closing comments to kind of end up. Uh, we had an intermission after this, so I didn't even get to finish the first round. So uh, I think I forget what I said. I guess we'll all find out what I said here in just a few minutes. So, But up first, uh, Ellison Chisholm, Michael Castile's, and uh, then my closing comments or whatever I said in this uh, little grouping of readings that night. I'm just going to let it speak for itself. Here you go. Up next, Ellison Chisholm, Springer Up. This poem is called Harden the Target. Harden the Target. A pale moon rose on the heels of summer. Beside a lake, a storm rolled in. When you left, I felt like a highway on a long weekend, or a heavy rain, a boggy wetness underfoot. Perhaps your holdup had me heedful. Five years following our escape, I'm sure I saw you in museum hallways or casino lobbies, or standing below unlocked windows in the longest hour of the night. Through bars and cells, I saw you slip between the shadows. You slipped beneath my steady stare. When I woke and you were absent, I felt like an echo in a quiet hallway or an unlocked door, a hidden key. Ellison Chisholm, let's give her another hand. And up next, Michael Castiles, bring him up. So before I get started, I just want to give a big thanks, like Bruce, to everybody here and everybody who's been here for the last 10 years. But an especially big thank you to Bruce. Um, I don't keep track of time very well, and neither does my wife Allison. Whenever we think how long we've been in Kingston, we're like, I don't know, six, seven years? But we came in September, it would have been 10 years because we were at the, like, the first September of the poetry readings. And when I moved to Kingston, I didn't know anybody at all. And now I can go downtown and I can bump into people. Mostly it's people that I've met here and people that I've kind of met through connections from the poetry reading and I think all of that has come from Bruce and so I owe him personally a huge thank you and I think that we all do and uh, I just want to say thank you Bruce. And I'm going to read uh, a chapter from the novel that I've been working on so this is chapter 11. I heard it through the graveyard. You didn't make it. Everyone else was there. Late fall, dusk arriving early. The sky was headstone gray and dark clouds scrolled across like names and dates. Long grass swayed in the stray gusts of wind. 
the leafless branches of a nearby oak creaked like wooden bones. I held my hat tight to my head, gripped my umbrella in the other, forecast predicting a dreary rain or an isolated shower on this hillside overlooking the sleepy hamlet, and furthermore, the lake. Voices spoke, and I was there, but hardly. I remember a hymn, but not which one. I remember my father's long overcoat, a black veil over my mother's eyes, the pile of dirt draped with astroturf, the rectangular hole, an emptiness longing to be filled, the line of cars, a hushed parade, a quiet crow on a bare limb. The heavy air trembled with distant thunder. We'd only just begun as the first drops began, umbrellas blooming like black lilies. A prayer I don't remember, faces turned down, the rain repeating our every word. Thank you. So Michael Castiles, give him another hand. And there were a few people that came in quite late in that, and I haven't read, but that's okay. I think it is time for a break. So right after the break, then we'll just begin where we would have left. We're just not going to make it all the way through the round, uh, first round, but then we'll start the second round after we finish the first round after the break. How's that? <laughs> the instructions are in the back of the box. <laughs> Anyway, thank you all. We've heard some wonderful readings. Before you take a break. Oh, okay. As Michael said, we all owe Bruce a huge debt of gratitude. Bruce, this bag contains all of our thanks for everything you do so selflessly for the poetry community in Kingston and beyond. This is from all of us here, plus dozens of other people who are not here tonight. And we hope you can use it towards a new recording microphone or any other tech that you need for all your work that you do or anything for the journey continues. And happy 10th anniversary. And if anybody, if anybody uh, would like to still contribute, just see me during the break. I couldn't possibly reach all of you in the time before this event. So I reached the people I knew and asked to spread the word. But Thank you, Bruce, for everything, and we owe you a huge, huge debt of gratitude. Thank you. Yeah. Thank all of you. Thanks so much. Give us about two minutes while we figure out how we're going to actually cut this cake and present it. How's that? Well, you just heard uh, Alison Chisholm and Michael Castiles, and then uh, that was Meg Freer who had uh, uh, sort of coordinated that ahead of the evening uh, and uh, talked to a bunch of people, and uh, I was very, very touched uh, by everything that evening and everybody's words. So, uh, again, I thanked them that evening, but... On the air here, uh, too, I'm thanking them. 
again. So thank you. And uh, so, and then following uh, Meg's uh, words there uh, and uh, and uh, presentation, uh, just uh, you just heard a few short words from me as we were lining up, uh, explaining how we we're going to move into the second portion and uh, start with the intermission. So, and uh, what you're going to hear next is following the intermission. Uh, you will hear uh, Judith Popeil and then me and uh, my reading that evening, or first reading, first round reading, and uh, I believe Ron Chase. Let's see how this works. And Ron Chase was actually then starting the second round. Okay, here we go. That's enough. Did everybody get a piece of cake? Perfect. Cool. And what I... I don't know if you know, but the uh, microphone is edible on there as well. It's made from Rice Krispies. So what I want to do is offer that to some of the people that are always not loud enough here. And I say you can eat the mic, and I mean it figuratively. I want you to literally eat the mic. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I know. What can I say? <laughs> Okay, we've still got two poem, uh, two poets to finish the first round, and then we're going to start right back into it, second round. So let's bring up Judith Popeil. about 
my Gito. So hopefully it's just going to come up right. Oh dear. <coughs> I'm in the scent. Here. I'm still trying to figure all this out. So it's called Gito's Pipe. Gito's Pipe was his signature piece. Whenever you saw Gito roaming around the farm, whether he was working on the farm equipment, doing chores in the big red barn, feeding the animals, or working in the garage, he always had his pipe handy. Even if he would only light up for a few puffs, it seemed his pipe was his security blanket. Most memories I have are of him with his pipe in hand. Bubba wasn't a fan of Gito's pipe. If you saw him without his pipe, it meant that he had either run out of tobacco or Bubba had scolded him for some reason or another. Gito also chewed snuff and tobacco, which perhaps was a farmer's thing to do. Most of my uncles on the farm, oh, farms out west, also chewed tobacco. I remembered that it had a dirty smell to it and it also stained my Gito's teeth. Bubba tolerated the pipe smoking more than she did the chewing of the snuff and tobacco. She would often raise her voice and speak to him in those rough Ukrainian words that I assume were not complimentary. After she spoke, she would usually see him go off to the side and spit the tobacco out. Yuck. Gito was a tall, handsome man of broad stature, and he never seemed to change in weight as he grew older. He never spoke much, and especially when Bubba was around, but he seemed to be always listening and observing what was going on, pipe in hand with a keen ear as to the nature of what the conversation was about. When you did converse with him, which was usually in Ukrainian, his, his soft-spoken way would usually make you feel better. When you were troubled or felt we, you had a pressing issue and needed someone to listen to you, you would go to Gito. Sometimes Bubba would want my younger sister and I to do chores we were not so fond of doing. We would go directly to Gito. But we knew the parameters of Bubba's temper and he would not always side with us. But nonetheless, he would console us and in some way, he would console us in some way. Gideon knew how to find the peace and solace that he needed while working on the farm. After supper, his chores were completed and most days he would wander off to the garage and work on his cars. The garage was his domain. His tools were all organized on one wall, and he had a work table on the wall with the windows. I guess it was sort of like a meditation for him to monkey around with his cars. And of course, he could smoke his pipe there, and if he chose, he could chew his tobacco. He would sometimes be there until dusk. No one went to a mechanic in those days, after all, it was the farm, and farmers were jacks of all trades, so to speak. Besides that, the town of Nipuin was 26 miles away. Judah would sometimes take us for short rides in his big chrome-plated cars, which I believe were Chevys. 
We love Dargito, pipe or no pipe. In an abstract way, he seemed to understand our loss as innocent children and wanted to make us feel comfortable on the farm. He also knew that Bubba had the final say in matters and he wasn't always allowed to give, it, give, give in to our wishes. Regardless, we would always go to him while he was walking about on the farm or working in his garage. Sometimes I feel that he's right by my side, walking along in the pastures at the Zetterosny Farm in Nipawin, Saskatchewan. Thank you. Judith Pobiel, let's give her another hand. And I'll finish up the first round and then we'll start the second round. So, just a bit of a preface, and I usually don't use it, do this, but I, for some reason, even when I was really young, I had a soft spot for very old people and also this, the mystery of death. So, this is somewhat in reflective. It's called advanced aging. When you have replaced your yearly calendar with now a clear plastic daily medication dispenser to know which day of the week it is until even that becomes unimportant, you can count on one hand the number of people who have come to see you in the last year. And on the other, you can count the number of friends you have still living, but unsure why they are, where they are, if they are. For years before, you've told anyone who approached how tired you were until they grew tired of even that. You are no longer enthralled by the colors at dusk. You've grown weary even of the sight of a rising sun. It's all just another day, just another nameless day, just another. Thank you. Up next, Ron Chase, bring him up. Hotel pens. Five lonely pens from five lonely hotels sit silent in a wooden box while holding their ink so no one could know their silent secrets. Wanting to share volumes to tell the different, tell the story five different ways, but they will not because the writer is still too weak to be strong. Thanks. Ron Chase, let's give him another hand. And you just heard in this order readings by Judith Popeil and then my own and then Ron Chase at uh, 
the May 7th event. In the end, the journey continues. Open mic reading in that monthly series. And again, it was our 10th anniversary event uh, that night. And uh, again, uh, Judith and I finished up the first round and then Ron began the second round. We did make it all the way through the second round as well. So up next in it, here are Kinman, Gwen Whitford, and Colleen Lyons. I know there are a couple of people that told me they only brought one poem, and I kind of remember who they are, but I'm going to just, after this next one, I'm going to just call people's names and say, do you have another poem? So anyway, but this time, Kin Man, let's bring him up. Background to this poem is a strange one. Of later, I've been in Facebook quite a bit, to my wife's regret. It provides me a window of what is going on and gives me a link back to back home, West Indies. And maybe I should clarify a couple of these names here. Sparrow is not quite a bird, but he's the Calypso king of the world. Byron Lee is a Jamaican. I wouldn't say swing, but he was there with the scar time. Um, some other thing. And James Lass, of course, we all know making all those modern songs extra sweet. <laughs> so here we go. At my age, just a crumb of bread and hot tea take me back to old strings I shudder to confess to a modern set in the heat with just cicadas ringing. Hollywood, yes, vinyl under a responsive needle as Julius confessed, the narrative, modern race, yellow fields, not Russian, in Zhivago. Leaning against a wall, a cigarette hanging from lips, but for the torn vest and ragged pants, the bare feet, he's bogart without the hat and raw. Clean and now clearer on a disc, music played by James Lars. Sparrow, singing covers with Byron Lee down south. Home once, a sweet on love we somehow need. Here with spring, there is that strain of green thrusting out with faith. Some with blue flowers, and on a grander scale, countless dog boys. Man, let's give another hand. Gwen, you got another poem? Gwen Whitford, let's bring her up. Dominica, again. Dominica is filled with tall peaks and deep valleys, literally and figuratively. There was a time when the journey stretched out before her, the distant hills did not reveal the dark, deep valleys that obscured the sun and prolonged the nights, lengthy shadows hiding steep slopes and treacherous precipices that would demand the utmost of ability and considerable agility to maneuver skillfully without slipping away into the abyss. Thank you. 
Gwen Whitford, let's give another hand. Colleen, you got another one? Yeah. Sweet, let's bring Colleen Lyons. appropriate for tonight because it's about poetry, a poem about, about poetry. Um, but it's also really niche -y. It's like, um, <laughs> it's, about, it's about the beat poets. And um, anyone who doesn't know, anyone who doesn't have like an extreme amount of knowledge on the beat poets probably won't get much out of this poem. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Not very accessible. <clears throat> Institutions, how may we be free? Are they woven into our destiny? And shall we try, like Christmas candles, clear, or immerse ourselves and persevere? I look to sense of yesteryear and find my idols in the mirror. Allen Ginsberg crashed his car to flee in 1950 from police who were on the hunt for Sir Herbert Hunk, was prosecuted in the search. Before he fled, he didn't look and left behind telling notebooks incriminating him and Hunk, who at the time did share a bunk. <laughs> a common folly of the beats lived felonous lives on the streets, but made itself known publicly, warranted by their artistry, united by a tenderness and a fluidity of speech and themes of an exalted mess, unprecedented honesty. The silver lining of their stress, opiates and adultery, of enlightenment and sex, going starved from week to week. Their yab yum and serendipity and weaving of endearing tales, the chance of one of them to meet and coalesce before they did derail. Ginsberg pleaded insanity. With this, he opted out of jail, an act of begrudging vanity and thickener for his tale. In Bellevue, for 90 days, his sentence of hospital stay, before he, here he met Carl Solomon, summoned together are the insane. No matter of to rehabilitate, were these gentlemen not so deranged, they wouldn't be preserved in play to mark the literature of the age. Through Burroughs, poets convene Columbia University, across the country, on the bay, the same movement taking shape. Were it not for their drive for school, would these figures meet their muse? I'd better get on it, otherwise I'd waste up in my room. The future with its potential looms, it's, sen it's sensitive as we sculpt. Out of many make it few, some slow and some catapult. Wasting time and I feel blue, crying through the days subdued to my dampened mattress glued, so easily like a banana bruise. Yet I've got a lot to lose, watch Kerouac in interviews. YouTube on my phone screen soothes me when I can't otherwise move. If I had never been in prison, mine a different story written. All it happens for a reason, history's made while we are breathing. I've required some convincing that I deserve to be believing in my birthright without wincing. I've been too busy sleeping. Wonder, oh, who am I kidding? At best, I'd be an Edie Parks, who's famous just because she was smitten, not strong of her own mark. All this inspiration has me thinking that if I were to soon depart, would it really be good riddance? Have I yet really done my part? I've of the poetry beast being bitten. It's left in me a baby kicking. There's no sense in further sinking. I ought to be brave and go down singing.
Charlie Lyons. Give her another hand. And you just heard, in this order, Kinman, Gwen Whitford, and Colleen Lyons. Again, at the uh, May 7th event in the And the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Again, that night was our 10th anniversary and uh, now held for, wow, it's hard to believe, a year and a half now at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, here will be uh, Quentin Kerr, Corey Mayhew, and Sasha Hill. Quentin, you got another poem? Quentin Kerr, let's bring him up. So I recently read a book that was written sort of um, speechy, and it was also only one sentence, and I discovered something that I think is a dangerous thing for a writer to discover, to really like run-on sentences. Um, so this poem is called At Least Convincingly. I was trying very hard to remember what had been lost along the way, and what, if anything, had been gained, and to my surprise it became quickly clear that people were not repulsed by this, but attracted, and in fact even encouraging, although of course at the same time I was living a life too, which is to say I was making some money and leasing a nice little waterfront apartment, and collecting novelty socks and subscribing to the Globe and Mail and pursuing one or two girls, although nothing as of yet was very serious, and developing an appreciation for Portuguese cuisine and getting really into trance music, and just generally keeping up appearances. And all of this, alongside the remembering, which you recall was the first thing and perhaps the most important, was enough to keep me very busy, or at least busy enough that if anyone ever asked, and someone always did, I would answer quite comfortably, or at least quite convincingly, saying yes, 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 certainly yes, I'm doing very well myself, and how are you? <laughs> Quentin Kerr, let's give him another hand. Corey, you got another poem? Cool. Corey Mayhew, let's bring her up. had a friend die last year. He was old, of course. He went to the first, he went to the Second World War when he was 10. Okay. A gift, a gift. The little black radio, sitting on the bedside table, plays softly. Life was accompanied by classical scores Maurice recalls his mother, Helena Adriana, sitting at the keyboard of their grand piano in the salon at home. He describes her hands as busy in perpetual practice, etudes, concertos, preludes, the concert guillebeau, as principal pianist to the Philharmonic Orchestra in Amsterdam. Ever since birth, her children were toted on tour across Europe, cities, cathedrals, and balls, Bach, Chopin, Wagner, 
he tells me classical music was in our bloodstream. In the last few days, sound waves carry memories and comfort. The nurse checks the metronome of ventricular tempo, the classical riff of life. It soon drifts on fading bars. There is no coda. funny that night is funny again this afternoon so thanks Sasha you're usually always a rock on so that was pretty cool uh, you just heard readings by Quentin Kerr, Corey Mayhew and a performance by Sasha Hill at the May 7th event in the And the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series again our 10th anniversary that night tell you what I probably should do this I'll be right back I mean, if there's a listener-supported radio station, you're, it means that people can get daily, every day, 
a different way of looking at the world, not just what the corporate media want you to see, but a different picture, a different understanding, but a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh, human, you know. That's the way you become human participants in a, in a social and political system. by myself, Selena Chirelli, here on CFRC 101.9, Monday nights at 7. Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are, again, located in Lower Carruthers Hall, the Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. I uh, hear every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. Uh, we just stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. going to get one more grouping of poetry in here, and then I think I'm going to run out. Not enough room to do another one, so... What you will hear, but that will give me time again to uh, 
go through a few upcoming events and stuff. So you're, we're going to go ahead and slip back into that May 7th uh, evening in the And the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. And our 10th anniversary reading again that night, up next in it here as a group. Um, you're going to hear Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Ken Chin, and Kai Pierce. Up next, Bob McKenzie. Let's bring him up. And I will dance. In her place upstairs, her music is playing. Her music is playing with a solid beat, like her heart reaching out in mid-afternoon, not loud but felt in the apartment below. Her music is playing with a solid beat, her pumping heart only just heard through the floor, through the ceiling of the apartment below, where another sits and finds fault with the world. Her music is playing with a solid beat, her heartbeat spreading softly out the window, her heartbeat fading across the neighbor's lawns to pause where the children play in the sunshine. From the place downstairs, anger cries out loudly against the beat, against the beat of her heart, against the world and unfair rage against her, unfair and angry, and she will take no more. Her heart is pumping the word she cries out loud. I will bring over the neighborhood children. I will bring over all the neighbor children, and I will dance, and I will dance, and I will... Thank you. Bob McKenzie, let's give him another hand. Up next, Meg Freer. Let's bring her up. I guess this is a set about, with poems about the elderly. <laughs> this is called Facts Never Wake Up. My lip splits in the same place every morning when I smile. Flowering words bleed onto the floor. How many pages will it take to get through the desert? The nursing home residents for whom nothing can be done recite, if today I am to do nothing, I will do it gallantly but vultures eat the noise of prayer. Life's beginning, an absurd lottery, its end, a failed experiment. Pack grace and patience to deal with those who use years and pounds to quantify respect, cut corners to end inconvenient lives. Human wisdom is not cumulative. The drip torch lights a controlled burn but wildfire on the move sounds like a train. We seek grapes in the bramble bush, seize the dreams of the elderly, rush onward. Thank you. Meg Freer is giving another hand. Ken, you got another bomb? Ken Chan, spring him up. one's called End of the World. They told me in Sunday school about the end of the world. How a world government under communism was really a cover for Satan controlling the world. 
Well, the Berlin Wall came down, communism fell, the world didn't end. In 1999, the buzz was about the millennium. How the clocks on all the computers would stop, how data would be lost, the electric grid would shut down, the market would collapse, the world would be thrown into chaos. I held my breath on New Year's Eve. The lights stayed on, computers still ran, the world didn't end. In 2012, the planets were lined up. The Mayan calendar went no further. People believed that it was the end of time. Books were written about it, movies made. The end of the world became a profitable subject. 2012 came and went, and the world didn't end. We have this fascination for the apocalypse. People are quick to believe, even when our predictions prove wrong. It is sufficient that we deal with this world, how we treat each other, how we treat the earth, without listening to fear mongers on how the world would end or what happens in the afterlife. Thank you. Ken Chance, give him another hand. Up next, Kai, let's bring them up. Hi, again. Uh, I'm gonna read this poem that I read last time I was here on Bruce's request, um, as a thanks to Bruce for 10 years of amazing community work. So thanks again, Bruce. This is called Since Autumn. And maybe it's a bit of a preamble. I was recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, recently because it's been worsening as I age, and I wrote this near the end-ish of a pretty bad depressive episode. So just some context. Since autumn. My world since autumn has been like holding origami in a hurricane, while my fingers are soaked in superglue. I find myself trying to fold my body into something beautiful, but my wet edges keep bursting, or soggy holes open up in me, and I don't understand what I am finding on the underside of the paper. What secrets are hidden between me and the table? I keep trying to find men able to slip beneath me, turn me over, and read to me the verses written in bleeding ink. But for everyone thus far, I have been too squeamish to divine the future beyond flesh. But this is not the story of the roses that I used to carve into my own thigh. Three weeks ago, I found God selling smokes down by the river. She was sitting with her dog and eating dinner, contemplating the futility of it all. And I felt that I had every power to give her meaning, to give her truth and see her dancing. But instead I chose to go, because I have not felt whole since the autumn hit hit me like a ship into a school of fish, and you don't even think of the carnage of life's propeller until it is pressed into your back. You would just think the fish would swim around it and unite again once it has passed, but then the propeller sucks you back in, and reunion becomes a more distant utility than survival. Trying to get out of bed every morning is my first hurdle of the day, and sometimes that mountain is high enough to block out all the sun. Sometimes I don't even open my eyes in fear of finding only the darkness that this sickness makes me crave. This winter has killed all of my flowers. I promised myself this year would be different, 
but I have sunken so deep into the earth that no roots can find me. There are no roses painted on my skin, no irises bursting from my chest, no chamomile on my breath, not anything, not anymore. There's a book on my bedside table that I wrote when the world was bright and warm. Let it be the instruction manual to plant daisies, roses, and irises on the mountainside until my climb is as easy as the fall. Let me dream of spring again. That was Kai, let's give him another hand. And you just heard, in this order, readings by Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Ken Chin, and Kai Pierce again at the May 7th event. In the end, the journey continues. Open mic reading in that monthly series. Uh, we still have a few more readings, a couple of groups of readings, actually, uh, to air from it. Again, not enough time in this hour. Uh, so uh, we'll slide that into the second. That does give me a few minutes to talk about events, though. And uh, let's skip over uh, calls because uh, calls aren't uh, the, even the earliest one. It has until June 30th, and I've got plenty of time to do that. And we'll just focus on events. What I will mention is there is a weekly uh, writers group. It's called Limestone Writers. Uh, they meet in... Uh, uh, except for the month of August, and uh, during most of the year, they meet at 7 p.m., but during, from May through July, uh, they meet at 6 p.m., and they do that in room 239 of Stoffer Library uh, to critique and support one another's writing. Uh, they feature a number of genre, uh, genres, fiction, poetry, nonfiction, and memoir, all represented. If you're interested, they're called, again, Limestone Writers, a weekly uh, writing group. Uh, more information, contact Dave at D Pratt, that's D P R A T T 1939 at hotmail.com. So, coming up, actually, starting this evening uh, with a pre event, uh, but the annual series of 2019 Limestone Genre Expo uh, are. Uh, are their annual series is tomorrow, June 1st, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., going to be held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library, Central Branch, uh, 130 Johnson Street in Kingston. I'm going to just give you uh, their, because it talks about tickets, and everything's broken down. They have workshops, they have uh, discussions, and uh, have readings. Uh, it's www.limestonegenreexpo.ca. And uh, from that page, you can find all the links that talk about their upcoming schedule, everything that's going on. So, again, that is happening tomorrow, uh, June 1st from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But they also have a pre-event, uh, and these are free. The pre-events, uh, the pre-event and the post-event, these special events are free. Uh, this evening, actually, Limestone Voices, it's an evening of readings uh, from a variety of local authors. It does include Alyssa Cooper. Uh, I'll be reading there, too, and uh, Catherine Prairie. And uh, uh, there's one more. I'm sorry, I just didn't get the name. That's going to actually be happening at 7 p.m. this evening at the Merchant Tap House. Uh, you should know where that is, but it's at 6 Princess Street. And uh, then tomorrow evening, following their full-on event, in partnership uh, with Crime Writers of Canada, 
the event is called Crime in Limestone. It will be an evening of book signings, readings, and trivia hosted by members of the our National Organization for Mystery and Crime Writers. That, again, is tomorrow evening, June 1st, 7 p.m., at the Kingston Brew Pub. So that should be fun. Again, oh, oh you can find out about those two events, www.limestonegenreexpo.ca. Oh, you, there should just be a link there to special events. So should take you right there. Also happening tomorrow evening, uh, Nancy Jo Cullen uh, will be reading from and launching her latest book, a novel called The Western Alienation Merit Badge. Uh, that is happening at Novel Idea Bookstore, 156 Princess Street. Uh, again, tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. And uh, let's see how, how we're doing for time here. Oh, cool. Uh, let's see. There's another, uh, let's just jump into this, another uh, book launch and reading happening this coming Monday, uh, June 3rd at 7 p.m. John Barton will be reading from and launching We Are Not the Avatars, a collection of his most uh, provocative essays, public lectures, and reviews produced over the last 25 years. Again, that's going to be happening Monday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. A Novel Idea Bookstore, 156. Again, Princess Street, corner of Princess and Baggett. So uh, there is also another writing group. They're called the Writ Large Writing Group. Uh, and uh, it says what they're about. They're a group of committed, easygoing writers of fiction and creative nonfiction. They say they have a sense of humor and a uh, range of writing experience of uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you their link because they meet at different places, but it seems like they have been here for the last couple of them. So uh, they're meeting uh, Monday. That's also Monday evening, June 3rd from 5.30 to 8 p.m. And they're meeting at the Mermaid Avenue Sandwich Factory, which is located at 236 Wellington Street. Uh, they do have a website, and I'm going to just direct you there because there's a lot more information there. www.meetup.com slash writ dash large. Perfect. And that writ is R, I mean, sorry, W-R-I-T. And uh, my, uh, then coming up Tuesday night, I'm just looking to see if I got time, maybe. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, going to be the next, and the journey continues, open mic reading, uh, which you've kind of been listening to. Uh, so the monthly, it's always the first Tuesday night of the month, uh, meeting at the same location each month, with the, which is, again, now the Elm Cafe. Uh, barista will be on hand as doors open at 6.30 to offer a selection of ex- espresso drinks, tea, juice, wine, and beer, a limited number of uh, uh, selection and, and there is some a uh, bit a uh, uh, limited I should say selection of food uh, throughout the evening. Doors open at 6:30. Event runs from 7 to 9:30. Again, done in the round. Uh, the Yam Cafe is located at 303 Montreal Street, so it's the corner of Montreal and uh, Charles. And there is a Facebook event notice for it. So. I think I am going to stop there. I've got something going on with the computer here. I'm not quite sure what that was. So anyway, let's go ahead and where are we at now? You know what? We're close enough. 
I will tell you about the one in Tweed as well, because they also have a first Tuesday night of the month, uh, poetry series in Tweed. They mean then they meet in the same location for their monthly events. So they are again uh, Tuesday, June fourth, seven to nine p.m. They do meet at Tweedsmere Tavern, and that's in downtown Tweed. So uh, there is a Facebook group page for them. So. Check it out. The first Tuesday Muse. And uh, I think they just celebrated their third anniversary uh, the same night we celebrated our chance. So that's pretty cool that we both started up in the same month in different years. And it is just a few seconds past 5 o'clock now. So you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m., and we do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And in this second hour, again, continuing with the second round of the May 7th, and the journey continues, open mic readings. Uh, You'll hear readings by Lyle Miriam, Chantal Lavoie, Tia Lunn, Jill Glatt, Allison Chisholm, Michael Castiles, and again myself, uh, uh, that uh, finishing up the second round. And uh, you'll immediately following that, you're going to hear uh, two recorded poems sent to me by a poet in uh, Paris, actually referred to me by a poet over there. I'll explain it all in a minute, but the poet is Malik Amir uh, Crumpler, and... Uh, I'll explain a little more as we get closer to that, but just kind of giving you an idea of what's coming up. And then following that, I've got uh, at least a half an hour, maybe more than that. I brought a few discs because I can't really go into another uh, reading or anything. Uh, It's too long for that segment. So I haven't shared anything off these for a while. That'd be kind of cool to bring them in and I'll play some of my favorite cuts. I don't know how many I'll get to, but we will do something with it. This first, though, the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally, some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show is played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. And I think I will have a bit of time, try to work in a bit of time for at least get us through uh, next week. I think there are only a couple of other events I haven't talked about and maybe a little bit more. We'll just see how it works out. I'm speculating at this point. Let's go ahead and just jump back into uh, this round, uh, the second round, and uh, how many poets we got up this round, or this grouping, and four more poets. uh, And their May 7th event of The End, The Journey Continues Open Mic Reading in that monthly series. Here you're going to hear Lyle Miriam, Chantal Lavoie, Tia Lunn, and Jill Glatt. Lyle Miriam, let's bring him up. This is called The Net. The moon is really made of cheese, and the ocean isn't blue. I read that on the internet, so it must be true. There are alien abductions happening almost every night. I saw it on the internet. So of course it must be right. There's lots of info on the net by people who should know. And of course they couldn't put it there if it weren't really so. Now if you'll excuse me, I'm off to search the net. For proof Columbus discovered Australia, I need to win a bet. 
Lyle Mary, I'm going to give him another hand. Chantel, you got another poem? Cool, Chantel LaBaugh. Thank you. So this is an acrostic piece, and it describes a photograph that I took an unbelievable 14 years ago and what, how that photograph looks now. It's called Taking the Shot. The boy looks askance at his grandfather, who demonstrates how to hold the plastic hockey stick, small in the man's hands, before he aims at the red and blue tent that serves as net. They are on the driveway at the farm, each wearing a hat against high summer. My father's covers the staples over which some hair is starting to grow. The child is two. He looks at the man, but his body is toward the woman holding the camera. In my belly, his brother, a missile that will dislodge the pieces of his life, as will what's growing again in my father's skull under the sun. Behind them and to each side, green grass and leaves, even the weeds indifferent and obscene. Thank you. Which Chantel Lavoie, let's give you the hand. Tia, do you have another one? Yeah. Tia Lung. Lung, let's bring him up. Thank you. Um, this poem is called Don't Leave Me Alone, and it's kind of about me, kind of about Anakin Skywalker, but it seems a lot deeper if I don't tell you that. <laughs> I saved all my hands could hold, but she became a living ache, breathing somewhere under our bed, burning in the dark. Grief born from grief born from grief, there's nothing growing in me, nothing grows in sand, my barren stomach, my desert soul. Ask me to do what I want, permit me to be. All I've learned of myself is how to bite into doubt. I couldn't let go if I wanted to, but why would I want to? When my hands start to slip again, you'll be all I can hold on to. I am finding what was lost. I am saving what can be saved. There is no giving what has been taken. There is no killing what has been killed. I'm not who I wanted to be, but I'll die trying. I'm nowhere near who I wanted to be, but there is no unbecoming. If you're still listening, know I wanted something different. If you hear the ache of my breath, know I am still burning. Thank you. That was TLM. Let's give them, give them another hand. Jill, you got another one? Sweet, Jill Glatt. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't even realize you said it. Um, I don't have anything new. I don't like repeating 
fan poems. Um, so I'm going to treat you all to a nice long one, but I'll try to make it snappy. Um, by Lewis Carroll, it's the Wallace and the Carpenter. I was I was thinking of Lewis Carroll the other day because um, I was we were talking about uh, the, the term is portmanteau or like portmanteau, which is which is a word that means a combination of like of two words together, and portmanteau actually means like to carry a coat, and it's an old term for a suitcase. And then I was thinking of Jabberwocky, which has a lot of those. But I feel like you guys have all heard that before. So we're going for the walrus and the carpenter. The sun was shining on the sea, shining with all his might. He did his very best to make the billows smooth and bright. And this was odd because it was the middle of the night. The moon was shining sulkily because she thought the sun had got no business to be there after the day was done. It's very rude of him, she said, to come and spoil the fun. The sea was wet as what could be, the sands were dry as dry. You could not see a cloud because no cloud was in the sky. No birds were flying overhead, there were no birds to fly. The walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand. They wept like anything to see such quantities of sand. If this were only cleared away, they said, it would be grand. If seven maids and seven mops swept it for half a year, do you suppose, the walrus said, that they could get it clear? I doubt it, said the carpenter, and shed a bitter tear. Oh, oysters, come and walk with us, the walrus did beseech. A pleasant walk, a pleasant talk along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each. The eldest oyster looked at him, but never a word he said. The eldest oyster winked his eye and shook his heavy head, meaning to say he did not choose to leave the oyster bed. But four young oysters hurried up, all eager for the treat. Their coats were brushed, their faces washed, their shoes were clean and neat. And this was odd because, you know, they hadn't any feet. For other oysters followed them, and yet another four, and thick and fast they came at last, and more and more and more, all hopping through the frothy waves and scrambling to the shore. The walrus and the carpenter walked on a mile or so, and then they rested on a rock conveniently low, and all the little oysters stood and waited in a row. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships, and sealing wax of cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. But wait a bit, the oysters cried, before we have our chat, for some of us are out of breath and all of us are fat. No hurry, said the carpenter. They thanked him much for that. A loaf of bread, the water said, is what we chiefly need. Pepper and vinegar besides are very good indeed. Now, if you're ready, oysters dear, we can begin to feed. But not on us, the oysters cried, turning a little blue. After such kindness, that would be a dismal thing to do. The nice fine, the lover said. Do you admire the view? It was so kind of you to come, and you are very nice. The carpenter said nothing but, cut us another slice. I wish you were not quite so deaf. I've had to ask you twice. It seems a shame, the water said, to play them such a trick. After we've brought them out so far and made them trot so quick, the carpenter said nothing but, the butter's spread too thick. 
I weep for you, the water said. I deeply sympathize. With sobs and tears, he sorted out those of the largest size, holding his pocket handkerchief before his streaming eyes. Oh, oysters, said the carpenter, you've had a pleasant run. Shall we be trotting home again? The answer came there none. And this was scarcely odd because they'd eaten every one. Thank you. <laughs> Joe Glad, let's give another hand. And in this order, you just heard uh, Lyle Merriam, readings by, I should say, Lyle Merriam, Chantal Lavoie, Tia Lunn, and Jill Glatt. Again, those were at the May 7th event. In the end, the journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Up next, and that was the final grouping that evening, you're going to hear uh, readings uh, by Alison Chisholm. Michael Castiles, and me, and I think there were some closing remarks at the end of it as well. So that's what you're going to hear in this next batch. So here we go. Allison, you got another one? Yep. Allison Chisholm. Is this the microphone that's made of rice It is. <laughs> This poem is called, This is a Test of the Overhead Pager, A Test of the Overhead Pager. Where your mouth is, put your money. Where your hair is, put your hunger. Put your wallet where your friend is. At the shoe store, put your pedal. Ride your bike around the block. Check your coat and walk your dog. Put your money where your mouth is. Does Allison Chisholm, let's give, give her another hand. Up next, Michael Castiles. This is chapter 51. It seems an odd time to do this, since I've put it off for as long as I have, but to wait any longer might put us both in extreme danger, so here it goes. Hello, it's lovely to finally meet you. My name is, I don't know. I never needed one. Until now, that is. That's right. Until now, that is. I don't know. I put it off too long. Hello, it's been too long. I waited at the edge of the cemetery, but you never showed. I shook hands with the leafless oak. Its name was, it didn't know. It never needed one. Until then, that is. That's wrong. Until then, that is. It didn't know. A crow looked down and cocked its head to one side. It seems an odd question for me to ask, but would you happen to have a spare battery? The clock's hand is stuck in place, and we're trapped in that space between tick and talk, like a moment stalled in forever, or a grain of sand falling in an hourglass the size of the universe. The universe expands, and we shrink. Our hands reach across the void and clasp one another. Hello, I never thought I'd see you again. 
I let go of your hand to rub the sand from my eyes. When they open, you're already gone. I'm left alone. Hello? Hello? Hello, did you want to come in? Please, wipe your shoes if they're wet. I'll take your jacket. Pass me your wig. I'll hang it up to dry. You can leave your fake teeth on the windowsill and your real ones too. Can I take your glass eye? I promise I won't lose it. If you'd like to leave your head in the closet, that's no problem, but please hand me your hands. It's better to be safe than sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know if I ever told you that. I watched the tree from a distance, the rain dripping from each of its naked limbs. The crow hung its head lower. The lake watched from a distance. The watch on my wrist watched me watching it all. That's wrong. Until then, that's all I remember. After that, it's all, hello, it's lovely to finally meet you. My name is, I still don't know. To be honest, I don't really want one. I'm fearful of that level of commitment. That's right, to be honest. I remember I put it off too long, then I put it off longer. On the other side of forgetting, I wait for you to ar arrive, or you wait for me to leave. I know I said I'd be there soon, but something came up. You're not going to believe it. I stick out my hand, say, hello, it's time for me to be on my way. Goodbye. Please come in and stay a while. Did you bring the battery, like I asked? Thank you. Was Michael Castile's giving him another hand? And before I read a final short poem, very short poem actually, We've heard some incredible readings tonight. Uh, let's give them and yourselves all a final hand. And let's also give Katie another hand because she kicked ass like she always does. And before I read, I just need to say, too, that everything that's happened this evening and words that have been said have been very, very touching, and thank you very much, all of you, for that. And this poem's so short, it'll be over before you even know that it is, so. It's called Morning. A morning ever is with its two sides. The first, the truth of the edge of a horizon sunrise. The other, the but half-truth of an invented afternoon. Thank you. Just heard in order uh, readings by uh, Ellison Chisholm, Michael Castiles, and uh, myself at the May 7th event in the monthly reading series called And the Journey Continues. And again, just a reminder that's coming up this Tuesday night again. Uh, and uh, 
it was again held at the Elm Cafe. It was our 10th anniversary reading, so it was quite special. And uh, yeah, it was very, very touching. And uh, tell you what, uh, that one, then those are the final, obviously, readings of the event. Uh, tell you what, let's do this, and I'll be right back, and it'll give me time to locate uh, some information. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Sit, sit back, relax, listen to some hip hop with the premium plus Friday. A non stop rocket till it's time to go. Mix the DJ professional rocking the show. The fantastic. Dollar bill every Friday night, 9 p.m. Do you like to dance? Tune into the hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let the hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. Folk everything. Every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says Red Mullet to James, that's a fine motorbike. And you are listening to uh, Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM, located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. We do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. And uh, I'm going uh, to air now something uh, that's a bit different than what I air, not as far as the poetry itself, but uh, a person, I have a few people over in Europe that uh, listen to this show, and Amy Berry is one of them. I have even aired a cut that she shared with me. It was a collaborative piece. I can't keep track of time, but I'm guessing easily sometime in the last year, I think, maybe even sometime. I'll just go with that. I was going to say six months. I don't even know if that's true, but I could be wrong, but it has happened in the past. Amy's gotten a hold of me and uh, sent me an MP3, and uh, I played it. Uh, While she knows someone over there uh, by the name of Malik Amir uh, Crumpler, and I hope I'm saying that right, and uh, has even collaborated in many poetry events, including reading in a local Irish school and uh, schools and reading in Paris. Uh, several of Amy's poems are, uh, I guess, in 
I would say, associated, but they're published in Opiate Journal. Uh, it's, that's in New York, uh, where Malik is co-editor. Uh, Malik himself lives in Paris. Last summer, uh, Malik took Amy on a tour around Paris, uh, including to the famous Shakespeare and Company bookshop. Uh, they visited a number of places and discussed uh, work uh, by Gauguin. Uh, about Malik himself, Amal er- Amir uh, Krumpler is a poet, rapper, music producer, and editor who's released uh, several albums, uh, glitch art films, five poetry books, and one book of raps. He is the new poetry editor for Paris Lit Up, editor-at-large of The Opiate, which I mentioned above in Amy's, uh, where she was published, and uh, co-founder of Those That This. He's co-hosted Transatlantic Poetry, uh, both uh, 2017-2018, curates and hosts Poets Live, and The Wordists. Uh, Malik Amir is the MC for hip-hop group uh, Madison, Washington, on Deaf Press, and nonfiction writer for Itchy Silk. Uh, beneath the underground collected raps, 2000 through 2018 is Malik's most recent book, and Facts is Madison Washington's al- his album. So I think I did not too bad uh, getting all that information down and getting it to you. But what I'm going to do is uh, there's yeah. I'm go- what I'd like to do is air his. Uh, he sent me two poems now, uh, or sent me two poems. I'd like to air those now, and then I'm going to just uh, jump in uh, immediately after that without a break. I will talk about it again, but I'm going to play at least uh, two or three uh, poems as well. Uh, There's an Ontario dub poet by the name of Chet Singh, and I thought these would kind of mash up uh, pretty well. So I'm going to play two or three uh, poems from Chet Singh as well. Uh, uh, Those are off of his 2007 album uh, called Darkness of Daylight. And the two poems you're going to hear from Malik are Larry and Them, and and these are first, Larry and Them, and St. Michael's Pastis, I think. I have my glasses on, but it's too far away to see. So here we go. We're going to do it. So here again is Malik uh, Amir Crumpler. Larry and Them. Every time I get ready to write something, the name Larry springs up. Larry was. Her name was Larry. Larry named herself Denise. Denise's real name was Larry, but only her little brother Sharice knew all that. Then I stop listening to that voice and say, not at all out loud, Hey, Larry. Larry. Say, Larry, man. How you making out in there? Larry be like, Man, why you gotta bother me all the time? Denise sleeping, Sharice ain't back yet. I be like, good to hear. Larry be quiet for a minute. Then all of a sudden she be like, we sleep in truth, waking lies, just to casually brush them aside. Hey, roll me a pronoun when you get a chance, would they? Saint Michel's pastis. The lie was sick of itself again. 
went to the bar and ordered pastis after pastis and was just about to order a monkey shoulder when the pastis protested. Regarde, mon ami! I believe in monogamy, so doucement! The lie smirked. So you're a believer, huh? Pastis grinned. I know what I know! Lie countered. You ever get sick of being... Pastis frowned. Being what, a bottle? Lie nodded. Pastis said, Only thing I get sick of is a being empty. Lie jabbed. If you ever need someone to fill your vacancy, I'd Pastis stabbed. We fill ourselves with morning all the elixir you've abducted to our complete. Lie laughed. Mon frere, I believe you've lost your mind along with all your Pastis lunch. No! You drank my spirit and now I must. And shattered on the floor. Everything in the bar turned in the lie's direction. Lie said, Matinon? That didn't happen. Whole bar nodded, forgot it, and sighed. Pogrov. And turned back around. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.